Haldeman for part two of his epic stories. Mr. Haldeman was Marine doing security during the Castle Bravo thermonuclear tests. And you can go back to our episode from about a month ago where we talked for two hours and uh, back again. So December 1st, 2021, episode 632, Mr. Haldeman, what do you yes. have to say? What stories are we going into that's, today? Uh, that's Operation Castle. Yeah, Castle Bravo. <laughs> Yeah. So you were just starting to tell me before we started recording about your bar hopping stories, and uh, I have oh, a little bit of that. Yeah. So what do you got for me? I've been called stupid in there too when guys would ask me where I've been and what ship I was on. I told them I didn't know. They said they'd ask you. I said, "Well, I don't know." And they said, "You're kind of stupid." I said, "Yeah, I'm stupid." Yeah, I suppose. Never told. Never told anybody for forty-five years. Forty-seven, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating when you when you know. Yeah, what you, I just kind of forget. And uh, I've talked to other Marines at reunions, and it was the same thing. People would ask them what they did, where they went. He says, "I I just can't tell you." And they give you that. Hey, you're the sea going bellhop. Yeah, I was, yeah. I still can't tell you that because it wasn't declassified. I think Clinton did that in '98 or '96, and the reunion people found me in 2000. And the reason it's a little late because my father-in-law lived with me for 11 years and the phone was in his name. That, his job was to pay the phone bill. So I had an unlisted number without paying extra for it. <laughs> People, I called my buddy. number comes up under William Fernier, F-U-R-N-I-E-R. And my buddy said, hey, Bill, how you doing? I said, fine. Because it would come up on their phone, on their ID. <laughs> That's why that happened. But I've been You got mixed up. In a, you, you said you got mixed up in a stolen car ring. Hey, Ron, come on in. I just jumped in the back seat. Thirteen. What he was sixteen. Stole it. And he stole twenty cars. That was the only one I was in. So I'm up in the court, and the judge says, "You got anything to say?" And I said, "I didn't call him your honor. I just said, yeah, I do.'" I didn't steal anything. I just sat in the back seat. I didn't know how to drive. Said, sound, shut up, you smart alley. <laughs> I put that in that. True story. He stole 20 cars. I took the back seat of one. So I'm in a stolen car ring. So that's still on my record. So when you were 13, that was what, 1947? 47. 47? You were 47. Yeah. You were 13 and yeah. the first time you rode in a stolen car. I just jumped in. I knew, I knew it wasn't his. But I didn't see him steal it, but that, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. How does it murdered somebody? They got me for second degree manslaughter. Oh, 100% they would. How does something like that affect getting like a, like a top secret clearance for something like Castle Bravo? Didn't affect it at all. Cause I told him that. And it's still on there. And my son won me. 
to take it off the record. I thought I'm not paying two grand to some shithead lawyer that it's still on there anyway. <laughs> but I don't trust them. <laughs> They're licensed thieves anyway. <laughs> so you ought to know that. Oh yeah, I do. So how do things progress from there in terms of, cause I mean, that's a wild story being 13 and riding in a stolen car. And so is witnessing a thermonuclear explosion. What other stories do you have? Well, Gosh, I did. Uh, tell you the beer can story over the Golden or the Oakland Bay Bridge. You did tell that one. That one told that one. I, in fact, I got a Christmas card on, through the email from his wife. He passed away in 2018. Name was Ed Franklin. And uh, did I tell you about when I, they first found me and I called him? No. Ed Franklin. I got a letter from him and George Kelly. Formed a reunion, formed a uh, Curtis reunions. He's the one that started it, and uh, Curtis Marines. And uh, so, when I got the letter the same day, they'd been looking for me since it was declassified. That trying to run guys down. A lot of them are dead. And uh, I got the letter from Ed Franklin and Kelly the same day. So I called Ed Franklin. First. He used to live out in San Leandro. I think he's in Sacramento then. He answered the phone. I said, is this Ed Franklin? He said, yes, it is. I said, is this Edward Chesley Franklin? He said, yeah. I said, this is Ron Oliver. You son of a bitch. We thought you were dead or in prison. I said, no, I'm an outstanding citizen of the community. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to my first reunion. That was in April of 2000. And I went to my first reunion in uh, Laughlin, Nevada in May. And uh, I had I wanted to, they had it Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at down to Colorado for thirty nine bucks for all three nights, thirteen dollars a night. So I went out on a Monday because I wanted to get back back to Kentucky Derby. I was back to Derby over that first weekend in May, and uh, so I went out on Monday. So I'm going out. I'm going to leave Wednesday. So I get down the parking lot and there's Red Dog McKenzie and Ed Franklin in the parking lot waiting for me. So they didn't have a room. What the hell? They've been married two or three times. And you're out in California. You're lucky to have a trailer after you get divorced out there. <laughs> but they were going to stay with me and I go sign in. And uh, and that woman had one king-size bed. I woo, wait a minute. I said, I want two queens. I don't want... I don't want to sleep with these guys. Yeah. She said, you put their name down there, who you want, who they are. So I wrote Sophia Loren on the one. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll tell us. Imagine Sophia Loren staying with me in a $39 room. It's a good story. <laughs> they were my best buddies, those two guys. They, we ran a lot. We'd go to Vegas and... We go up there to the Union Pacific Railroad Station, and we sleep in that park. Didn't have any money. Just had, I think I had 150 bucks. Well, what's that get you in Vegas? So we sleep in the park. Had blankets and pillows, and we'd go to the bus station next door, and we'd go in there and shave and brush our teeth and change into our, our non-sleeping clothes. And I used to tell Red Dog, he was from Vegas. I said, well, what we do then, we'd go out to Sands and and uh, take a bar, tag soap with, take a take a bath in her swimming pool. Which that's another lie too. But <laughs> I like telling it. 
How, wait, so how many nights did you sleep in a park? Well, we went up for over Labor Day weekend, and uh, I think in 1954, and we got up there Friday. It was Friday, Saturday. <laughs> Boy, your mommies must like you guys. You got blankets and pillows. cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> Strange with no food, wake you up. Well, when you're a young, young stud, you do all that crap, 19, yeah. 20 years old. So. Yeah. And we saved our money to go out and play with the act like we were hot shots. And we had uh, the Red Dog's brother, Roy, Roy McKenzie, was assistant chief of police in Vegas after he got out of the Marines. He, uh, he was in five years, and he went in a private and camp. He was my hero, but he didn't. He didn't take any shit off anybody. And uh, he'd tell us, hand a $5 bill to the Mayor D when you go to these shows. Have it, just have it folded in your hand. And when they go to seat, you just flip him at, flip him at five. And he don't dare look at it back in the So he put us right down there in the front row. They'd have him, uh, you're here a little. St. Sarah, the stripper. No. She'd come out in the bubble bath. She had reverse. She'd come out in the bubble bath and get dressed, dry off, always to music. And we're sitting there in the front row watching that bunch of horny kids. <laughs> well, we were, what the hell. And Lily Christine, a cat woman. Cat woman. Mm -hmm. She was, she, not, not Halle Berry. Lily Christine, chose her name. And she, she'd always take it all off and they'd throw her in jail for, because you weren't allowed to do that then. And uh, then you come back and people, she'd, have, she'd pack them in from then on. So we tried to get down there to see her on opening night. That's what she stripped it off. It's a big deal on that. <laughs> it was like a, my wife, huh? So that was illegal. That, so that would have been indecent exposure. So they don't they don't care that it's an act. They'll throw it right in jail. Had the, had the shave digger around there. That's okay, too. So, But that's what you did. <laughs> when you got away from that ship, <laughs> we, we was in my time and it was 95 degrees out and uh brandon was overnight liberty brandon wanted to let the marines off and uh red dog was admiral's orderly so he, admiral said where are you going corporal mckenzie and he said i have to stay aboard but we don't get liberty he got on admiral got on the pa and said all hands get on liberty so monterey's only about saying leandro so me and Franklin put on our dress blues and uh, got, went out and hit 101 and hitchhiked up to San Leandro. Some woman picked us up in a convertible. She was from San Leandro. She let us out right in front of his house. <laughs> and we got up there and uh, the good gal he was going with that time drove us back the next morning. So just to get away from him. Because if you're near the ship, they put you on duty. Yeah. So we just, we had liberty. We were gone. So we took off. But we did stuff like, I bet I hitchhiked up and down that coast and I don't know how many times just to get up, get away. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe somebody sent me some mail or something. I think so. I'm not switching over to um. <laughs> So when you look back at something like that, now, is there any concern from the military that write a bunch of 19 year old guys and you're, you know, you're taking part in these classified things and then you get off and you go be rambunctious, hitchhike, get drunk. Is there any concern that 
you know, someone lets their, someone maybe says things they shouldn't say. You know, I'm thinking if I'm 19 and I'm shit-faced. We never thought, no, when I went to my reunions and started finding out what those guys did, their wives and children said, dad, dad never talked about it, but we don't know what he did. I said, well, I didn't talk about it either. That's what surprised me after all those years. And then when you do meet, you find out that nobody mentioned the bombs or what we did or anything. So we'd, uh, we'd go over to, to, to pick those bombs up on one of those islands, say you or whatever. They, they had them stored all over there. They, we, we carried the big one over on our ship and then armed it over there at Bikini. But there was bombs stashed away over there different places and and uh Borgio and franklin and me went with a lieutenant scenario to pick one of them up and when you go down there on that ls you sit on that ship they if you go down to eat you eat by yourself and you're sitting over the corner by yourself and a sailor went by one time and said hey man i said do i have leprosy he said what i said hell nobody even talks to me so we were told to stay away from you, Marines. You're going to shoot us. I said, shit, I'm not going to shoot you. But that, that was the atmosphere. That was the way it was. That's, but we didn't shoot anybody. Yeah. The closest we came was these L guns. Shoot that Marine captain. I told you that story. Yeah. He was, he was named wasn't on the list. <clears throat> but we knew, he was, we knew he had a top secret clearance. But you're not on there. He said, well, I'm coming aboard. He, said, he pulled out that 45. He said, no, you're not. You come aboard and I'll shoot you. Boy, he didn't come aboard either. But he went back one to bust everybody out. Wait, no, you didn't tell that story. Didn't I tell that story? No, you didn't. I'm telling Tell it now. Boy, he, he had an entourage with him. and He was a pompous ass anyway. Nobody liked him. And he was coming. Was going to come aboard. It wasn't the first shot. It, had, it was on a barge, so it was either second or third and uh they we have an access list there with with say your names on there you've got your Q clearance top secret badge pinned to your lapel and with your picture in there and we have to take that and hold that up check your name on the list well, his name wasn't on the list well we knew he had a top secret clearance but your name ain't on the list and he's L, my buddy was uh on the gate checking everybody we were in the back and he said, well, I'm coming aboard. And everybody on that, well, he was with one aboard but him. These weren't born over there. He said, I'm, and he said, I'm your superior officer, Corporal. I'm coming aboard. He said, your name isn't on the list and you're not coming aboard. He said, you come aboard and I'll shoot you. And that, he had that 45 out under his chin. So we go to reunion. You don't know where they're testing you, or where the clerical error, or where the clerk didn't like him and left his name off purposely. We, but don't make any difference. Uh, you had orders to shoot to kill, but uh, we didn't. We didn't shoot that I know of, except that incident that did. So. Yeah, well, yeah, that's one thing you got to think about. Is yeah, is it a clerical error? They, they clamped down on. We were thought we were in a damn Gestapo. God, it's chicken shit. Yeah, and they you just hated it. Yeah, you hated it the whole time he was on there, yeah. and I liked you. 
the Marines on shipboard duty, you got a nice warm bunk and you got three squares. You're not laying out in the rain in a foxhole eating C rations or K rations. So, so much for that. Yeah. Because that's that's a good point. You got to be wondering, yeah, is this a security test? Are they? Oh, you can't take it. They tell you nobody's coming. They're not on the list. Don't let them in. Yes, sir. So yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah. Now, did you guys ever find out if it, if why he wasn't on the list was it a clerical error? Or was it? No, a we didn't. But it had to be a mistake, or maybe they didn't want him, or they maybe they didn't like him, or left the just left it off for the hell of it. You don't know that. But you can't take that chance because then they bust you out and throw you in the brig. Yeah. I told you about Ray Pollard, didn't I? I've been thrown in the brig for – he was on guard duty and he's watched his shoes were untied and he bent – excuse me mm-hmm. – bent over one of the little Mickey Mouse sergeants uh, put him on report for not standing orderly duty or all that crap. So he got three days – I'm sure Polly mouthed off and they threw him in the brig three days, bread and water. And whenever and the Marines take care of the brig, you're down in the bottom of the ship is where the brig is. Mm-hmm. And we would sneak him ham sandwiches and ice cream. And when the officers weren't around to catch us, but for three days, and when he got out, I said, he was in my platoon. I said, he got out. I said, you're the only guy I know brought bread and water for three days and gained five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but I read all that when we had one of the reunion. I said, Did you ever find Polly? He said, Yeah. He's in Brownsville, Texas. I said, Is he coming to one of the reunions? He said, No, he told us all go to hell. He didn't want nothing to do with anybody. I, you don't need to be like that. But he, he was a good guy, too. But he just got there and got screwed over by some Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Now, when you're on something like that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the way it, it was like that for a year and a half. Yeah. Well, not that happy. We got back from overseas, and those guys were getting out. And then I made sergeant. And then the guys that were on PSC made corporal. And I was platoon sergeant. And we got a new officer, uh, Harold Washington, who fought with Jesse Puller and the Marine Raiders. Mm-hmm. And, too, and he was a staff sergeant in the Korea. They pulled him out of a foxhole because they was running out of officers. Sent him to OCS, and here he comes aboard our ship. And he was my platoon leader. That's who I reported to. Mm-hmm. And a hell of a good guy. Yeah. And they, the Mustang. Mustang's the guy that comes up through the ranks. And okay. he, was, he was one of the best men I've ever met. And, I, and I'd go down a dark alley with him, too. And me and him used to go out and get drunk. So that's, that's another reason I like him. <laughs> so Mustang? He, yeah, he could slam a Mustang. Most of your officers come out of an ambulance. Uh-huh. Those are the ones that go up to generals and the heads of the army. If you're a Mustang, if you get up to a major, that's pretty good. Some of them make full bird colonel, but not many. And they promote these other guys to over you. So, although you're, he's the best one. And he, and he knew what was happening, too. He was a sharp cookie. And I was on, I was on officer. He was officer of the deck aboard ship one morning. And I'm sergeant of the guard. And I'd go up there and we'd bullshit. Obi Draper, Obi Joe Draper, oh, what a guy. He comes aboard, you can put the flag, and then you go refresh the base to come aboard. 
and he tripped and a, a bottle, a half, half pint bottle of uh, early time fell out of his sock. He had, a, had it in his sock and tripped and it went skidding across the deck. I'm, and I was going white and it didn't break. And uh, Harold Washington, we called him Tasha. Warrior in Japanese because I guess he killed thousands of them. He took no prisoners back in with Chesty Porter. Really? And, and Ty said, I'll just confiscate that at the early times. And, and, uh, I, and I told him, I said, why don't you at least have some cigarette VO? I said, that early times is like dollar thirty nine a bottle. That's not good. <laughs> so I told him that at one of the reunions. He said, you remember that? I said, hell yeah, I was on duty. <laughs> But he could have busted it. So, with so, so with when you're in something like that classified, that that secret, do you do you ever wonder if there are things even more classified than that? Oh, I'm sure there were. I'm sure some of it still is. Uh, some of it, uh, I think that was four seventeen. And I got online here one time, and I looked that up, and there's still some of them things that haven't, they say they haven't been scrubbed. They didn't declassify them, some of them. Yeah, I say I say they got them, but hell, the Chinese know more about us than we do ourselves. Americans don't care about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that Andy Whitt. You got the Nobel Peace Prize for building a hundred megaton or wanting to build a hundred megaton bomb and they decided not to build anymore. Unbelievable, huh? Yeah, he, uh, I think uh, one of the one of the scientists' sons from Russia, uh, he talks on that uh, world's biggest bomb. But that Andy Webb, he guided me through that, and I wasn't allowed to use Dean Timmy's name because Timmy was standing next to me when the blast went off at big, our big blast. And when it took him, I said, hey, Tim, I think we're gone. Well, he cut the film. And he said, no, no names. Because they signed that out in California. They wanted to make a movie called uh, uh, Blaze Burning Sky. And it isn't out yet. But they, all they do is just interview everybody. Mm-hmm. A bunch of guys. Who wants to hear that? But they tell you the same thing I'm telling you. Yeah. About the bone in your arm and a thousand times brighter than the sun. And, hey, that's old news now. But it's supposed to come out in January, February. But I don't think it will, because they deliberately left us in the line of the most fallout to check the radioactivity on our bodies, and they deliberately left our names off the ship duty roster. So what's that tell you? They had to go in the archives and get that. Say Ron Holler was a was a drunken bum on the ship or something like that. Whatever it says, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. How does that change your view? Of the United States, when when you realize that oh, I, not much. I still kind of believe in the truth there and all that stuff. 
said they're going to go to the schools. They're going to go to the schools. It goes to the general fund. And they and Gilligan was our governor when they pushed out. And me and my wife and I are probably the only two people that didn't vote for it. I don't buy those damn tickets anyway. Yeah. Get a five dollar lottery ticket to win a million dollars. That's bullshit. I mean, come close. <laughs> so. Now, and this is just kind of like a, a personal question about Zarbamba. Is it hard to even wrap your mind? Like, I mean, theoretically, like I understand that I've seen videos of it. I understand like the numerical differences, but seeing something like Castle Bravo firsthand, can you even imagine what a Tsar Bomba would look like? Well, it, a lot of polar bears got shot up in Siberia when they dropped it. I think they dropped it at 40,000 and detonated 25. And, uh, and they knocked out windows from 300 miles away. So they just wipe you out. Yeah. If, if you they ever drop one, you'd be ground zero. Then you'd be an ash. You don't have to worry about cancer or nothing. That's true. They just sweep you up, and the people guys were going bald. I went below deck as soon as I could. I didn't step and watch it. I, I could see the fall snowstorm. I could see it, and you could see the rainbow colors, but I didn't stare at nothing. I didn't stare. I didn't stare into the fireball, and uh, of course, I had dark glasses on for a long time before I took them off. And I braced myself on that gun mount and, and grabbed that sailor in the back of the shirt when the shock wave and the tidal wave hit us. I thought we were going to capsize, but that ship yawed and went over that far and groaned and creaked and rivers were popping. And that's an old ship. That was, that was bombed in 1941 at Pearl Harbor. And, and I thought, well, hell, we're, we're going. Guys were saying the Lord's Prayer and praying. Some of them were crying. I just got goose pimples. And you're apprehensive. I thought, man, this is it. And just my, my daughter said, did you think of mom? I said, no, I'm thinking nothing. So I, just, I just thought this was it. Yeah. And you just watch that wave roll over you, and I wondered why are these broadsides? Well, they were tracking the tracking the uh, mushroom cloud, and it was they tracked it right over us. It wasn't tracking; it wasn't going away. It's coming over us. Wind shifted. What was that? Lucky Dragon? Uh, the lucky <laughs> you know, they say that's a spy ship. Yep. Hey, they compensated those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And millions of dollars. Here's millions of dollars. Forget what you saw. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the Lucky Dragon, that Japanese fishing yeah. trawler. Yeah, there's a Ronda Lap, like either 87 Lap, Ronda Lap, mm -hmm. the island. Oh, yeah. well, here we are, man. 87. I can't believe it. I really can't. Guys are dying, and here I am, old dummy. <laughs> Red Dog, I call him everyone. They left California last week and went to Arizona. They got tired of that tax money. <laughs> He worked for uh, Volkswagen, the 
the son-in-law, and uh, they moved him. They offered to move him to Phoenix. They they headed out. Uh, they're from born and raised California people. But they found me. After, they were living in Naperville, Illinois, and I drove up there because my daughter used to live up there. And we'd go up there and stay in Arlington Heights and go to the racetrack all the time up there at Arlington Park. And uh, his daughter said, well, you know where it is? Mm -hmm. They call it, they call it the main deck half, but it's the fan tail. That's a rare. So there. So now how does that shift your view having experienced it firsthand, you know, seeing the real power of it? How does that shift your view for the rest of the Cold War, the living under the threat oh, of the bomb? Us, we were powerful. We were powerful. And uh, I wrote George Bush in 9-11 and told him to load up a B-52 bomber with a 15 megaton and take it <laughs> and quit screwing around. Well, they, you know what they did. They didn't help me. I wrote Jimmy Carter, too, when they, when they went into uh, a terror and and uh, in '79, well, he was a he was a wimp. Yeah. And I said, re resurrect an old gay and go over all that city. They'll let him go. All you have to do is threaten them. They'll let him go. The grass out. Adam bomb killed a hundred thousand. What do you think a hydrogen bomber did? Ten million. Yeah. A million. Ten, ten million. <laughs> Whoever's there. That would that would be a that would be a great foreign policy, the Halderman Doctrine. You just drop uh, drop a fifteen yeah. megaton. It won't do it. That yeah. What? No, I was gonna say, and, and that is and that is sort of like the brutal reality of it is. Yeah. You know what? Have, what did we just get out of? We just got out of a twenty year quagmire in Iraq and Afghanistan, and it's like the amount of money spent. We killed a million and a half civilians. We lost what seven thousand servicemen and women. The brutal reality is, is if you zoom out and you go, which one? Would have been more effective, and which one would have been more humane? Go in and drop an A bomb. There ain't on... None of humane. Well, I mean, in the big picture, I mean, is September twelfth going in with an A bomb more humane than a twenty-year drawn-out? It might be. It might. Be. I don't know. That's like they interviewed that one Marine guy. He's kind of a peace neck, talking about reasonable men and all that. And I say, you mean to tell me if that North Korean guy in Iran had a B fifty-two bomb? Remember these bombs? They wouldn't do it. They would do it immediately. They drop them right on us in a heartbeat. They hate us. Yeah. One thing is, you're American and you're a Christian. Yeah. Wherever you are, I don't care what you are. Sure. You're an American, and they hate Americans. <laughs> they drop that baby in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, we won't. We will, we just Mickey Mouse around. It's all about money here. Yeah. Khrushchev said we'd fail from what. The older I get, I'm seeing that. These young kids, they don't, and we, and they're, I got grandkids like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, Khrushchev said that uh, America, the the communist flag will fly in America, but it will be raised by its own citizens. Well, from within, yep. But that hard, that drug bomb with ours was in 54, that was in 61. That's 20 lifetimes in the science industry. Yeah. And when they make these uh, stealth bombers and all that, the, that B-52 bomber came out in February of 55, because they was testing those in 54. And uh, hell, they're obsolete, but you know what? They're still flying them babies. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of them? I've not you ever get a chance to see one up close? No, I've never but seen one up close. Take your breath away. Really? It's a big baby. Well, I know they're still they're still updating the avionics, and they're, I think they want it to fly until 2055. I think they want it to make a century. Well, they probably will. They, they used to fly 24 when May was running. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they all had a hydrogen bomb on them. Yeah, Operation Chrome Dome. And I think that kept the peace rule, and they refueled them in the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my one buddy, the Pootsie, he passed away, but he, uh, he was a radio. They had three man crew on them on B fifty two. And he and he was in sack. Yeah. They, they, he got we well, finally got out. I said, Hey Pat, how was it? He said, Sack sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, Oh, that discipline, that chicken shit. I know how that is. Yeah. Yeah, but again it's it is the sort of it's almost poetic the duality of strategic air command, chrome dome, thermonuclear weapons is like the most vicious horrific hell-on-earth weapons ever are what keep the peace. Mass mass destruction, baby. Yeah, that, that's it's a weapon of mass destruction. I, get the, I got that firsthand. You can see that. Yeah. They, they dropped six of them on us. You believe that? Yeah. And I, I know the, we were 23 miles away, and I, I assume the other ones were either more or less, but, but there's nothing to stop that, and it picks up, it feeds on itself. And it picks up over coming over water. In fact, that 15 is now rated at 23 megatons. It's picked up like 30, 40%. But the one that gets me, and that guy wouldn't let me talk about it, is uh, the Romeo shot on the 26th of March. Detonated mm-hmm. in the same crater as that first one. So those frogmen had to get down there and anchor or whatever corals left. And anchor that barge so that so it wouldn't drift away. And they detonated that the way they said it was eleven megatons. That's that, 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 something. Yeah, that, somebody must be maybe they're sending me money. Yeah. <laughs> you to go to school. Yeah. They're sending you emails telling you to stop talking about Castle Bravo. Well, I just talk about it. I, I, I went out to that that uh, retirement center and I met a guy that was on Okinawa. He was ninety three. He said, I was so glad that when they dro- Harry Truman dropped that bomb on August the 6th, he said, I was on Okinawa. And I said, well, I know they killed 100,000 people, but I said, I want to tell you. I said, you never heard of the Curtis Marines, have you? And he said, no. I said, well, that bomb that they dropped there, that size detonated the megaton bombs they dropped on us. I said, so that was 15 to 23 megaton. Yeah. It's, so much for you. And I went, yeah, our bomb's bigger than yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, well that's what apparently that's what like missileers used to talk about in like the silos is there would be kind of like you know dick measuring contests they'd be like well you know the atlas has this and they'd be like the titan 2 has this and it was and i think it was lemay that said yeah they're all thermonuclear weapons but you know 
They're not the same. Some of them are BBs. Some of them are uh, bowling balls. Well, if they nail you, you're a dead rat. Yeah, it doesn't you're matter. You're dead. Dead. Yeah, you're dead nonetheless. And the guy, the guy, when I used to say that he was a bone killer, and I was going to sit in my backyard and drink Miller and watch him bone Cincinnati, well, hell, my town was on this list of be bone. I didn't know that. Yeah. I told you that, didn't I, about Hamilton? Yeah. The, the Northern Bomb Site and the, and the 90 and the Sherman Tank and a special paper for the OSS, which is the CIA. They, we made that in my hometown. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sat out in the backyard. Everybody says, they'll bomb me up. Well, at least I'll let me finish my beer. Yeah. Well, that's kind of I've I've talked to a, a, a an ICBM historian before, David Stumpf, and I remember him saying because he lived near one of the silos growing up, and he said that his dad had always told them, you know, because he asked, he's like, Dad, how come we're not building, you know, a silo or getting canned food? And he, uh, the first thing he did is he gave him a can of dog food and said, eat that, and he's like, Dad, this is disgusting, and he goes, Well, that's what we're going to be eating in a nuclear Armageddon. And then the second thing is, is he got a ladder and brought him up to the roof. And he goes, if they, oh, yeah. he goes, if they drop an A bomb, we're sitting right here on the roof and watching it. He goes, because it we didn't Khrushchev say the the living will envy the dead in a thermonuclear war. So he said, he said, so if if we find yeah. out that there's incoming bombers, he goes, I'm taking the kids up to the roof and we're gonna get a, an atomic suntan. Yeah, yeah, they sure will. They go blind too. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Go blind. One of them's over in Auburn, Indiana. I, he might be gone, but Ed Franklin and I went to see him about four years ago, and uh, he was paralyzed and blind in a wheelchair. <laughs> you talk about dog food. I would tell you about that woman that kept feeding her husband dog food, and he it killed him. No, he was eating dog food, and uh, uh, he was uh, sitting out in the middle of the street licking his balls without run over by a truck. <laughs> the fuck. Really? Are you are you fucking with me? <laughs> well, he's eating dog food and he's out there licking his balls. Truck ran over. <laughs> God, you're so young. I know. I was right. well because you well you have extraordinary stories. Like you witnessed Castle Bravo. So when you say extraordinary things, I uh, I have to stop and go. What is this? You know. Uh, we were all. I'll tell you what. We were all pretty good guys. Yeah. But most of us are pretty. Pretty good, and no, and nobody talked ever in all yeah. those years. That, that really knocked me out. I just because everybody likes to talk, and I mm-hmm. when it came out, I said, "Did you think your little brother could keep his mouth shut that long?" He said, "Hell no," because I've just run my mouth not consistently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's now concerning Zarbamba. And, you know, looking at the time it was dropped, 61, right? Middle of the Cold War, right before Cuban Missile Crisis, two years before Kennedy. And the entire one-upmanship, the brinkmanship, the propaganda war. What, this is one thing I've always thought, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Do you think the United States ever built something equivalent to Zarbamba? They just, we just never used it. We don't talk about it. Yeah. I just yeah, don't. In Area 51, they did, yeah. Yeah, I just they don't. They built those stealth bombers that... That uh, when you carry those hydrogen bombs around, or Russia, I think Russia would have come over and kicked our ass if they could have. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I worry about us now because Chinese, China's the You see their their navy, how they built that navy. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're and they're uh, when they fought in Korea, when those Marines that fought over there said, 
there'd be 50,000 Chinese guys and you got, you got a pair of tennis shoes and a rifle and a ball of rock and they come flying down through there and you kill 10,000 of them, they shove, shove another 20 at you. You just run out of bullets. And uh, they've got, what, almost 2 billion people in China? Mm-hmm. You take China and India, there's half the world yeah. population. Yeah, 1.7 and, uh, and 1.3, yeah. And uh, they're communistic and uh, they don't like our form of government. When the people protest here, I say, well, won't you go to Cuba? They throw you in prison and shoot you. In China, they take you out and shoot you. You don't protest. They'll shoot you right in the street. They don't want to hear it. They'll shoot you right in the street. And they once they take away our weapons here, which is our our God given right to protect us from our own government. That's yeah. why they put that in there. Yeah, protect yeah. us. Now, some woman politicians. That's a, she's, she's from Texas. She's I carry. She said, I, the reason I do that is protect me from you. Told that guy that on television. <laughs> I forget who it was. <laughs> I went to, I spoke at a, a uh, Masonic temple. Mm-hmm. My wife and I went up there and I, I went up there and I, I like to go to free meal. And I'm up there talking and everybody up there had a gun. Hell yeah. There's some woman sitting there next to me. She's a school teacher. And she asked me if I wanted to see her 38. And I told my wife I was going to take off her brassiere. <laughs> and her belt. <laughs> the only ones that didn't have a gun. But I don't care. That didn't bother me. Because uh, everybody up there aren't. Back my one neighbor, he's a black guy across the street. Wasn't know if I had any extra nine millimeter shells. <laughs> I told him he ran out. Cause they go shooting and hunting and all that stuff. And I don't do that. Yeah, I'm not a hunter. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a deer. I don't eat venison. And I'm a veggie guy. <laughs> I eat them raw or or cooked like any day. We were kids. We just pull them potatoes out of the ground and wipe the, wipe the dirt off of dirt. Need them. Wipe it. <laughs> Creek, stupid. Hell, <laughs> I'm still here, so it must have been healthy. I was say summer's working. Yeah, I know. We can't really call it stupid. You're yeah, still- yeah, yeah, you want to see my 38? Now, she was well in doubt. I told Frida, I said, man, I, she's going to pull off her brazier. <laughs> <What'd> you- <laughs> it was a gun. Yeah. What did your wife think of that? My wife, good. She, we've been married 66 years. You kid, put up with me. Yeah. We got, we're great. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And you guys just celebrated your anniversary, right? On, on the 19th. And you guys just celebrated your anniversary, didn't you? Yeah. 19th. Yeah. yeah. My neighbor, Ham Lincoln, spoke at Gettysburg. And damn fool wouldn't come and visit us. You know, we're talking at Gettysburg. Did I ever tell you any story about Oliver Wood? He was a young lieutenant. No. He was a Supreme Court justice. He was, I think it is with the... 20th or 20th Massachusetts, I think. And when uh, uh, Grant had Lee surrounded down at uh, uh, Petersburg and Richmond, and he cut off Lee's ability to maneuver. You can't maneuver here. And because uh, I got 150,000 men, he only got 50. So he could he had him boxed in. And he sent Jubal early up to Washington so Grant would pull away and let him, let him get out. And Grant sent Illinois troops up there. Anyway, that's at, it's at Fort Stevens in the south on Georgia Avenue. If you ever get to D.C., go out there. And it's got a place where Abraham Lincoln sat. So they're out there watching 
rebels were coming to shoot at them, and they're out there in Lincoln standing up, got that stove pipe hat, tall guy, and they're shooting at him. And Oliver Wendell Holmes looked over and smacked him on the arm, said, sit down, you damn fool, get killed, as Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I like stuff like that. <laughs> True story. That's insane. Yeah, no, that's insane. Um, yeah, it's, and I'm I'm trying to remember where I read it, but I I, I thought I remember reading so years and years ago. I thought I remember reading somewhere that during the Cuban Missile Crisis, it was we had put uh, nuclear tip missiles down in Florida and pointed them right at Cuba. And I want to say the book is uh, Legacy of Ashes: A History of the CIA, but in it. And I always remember it. And someone said, you know, what are those? And it was one of the higher ups. And they said, uh, these are 100 megaton warheads. And, you know, we never publicly announced that we had them because... 100 megaton? That'd be awful heavy. Yeah, but that's that's what they say. And, well, the one thing, I guess, which gives credence to it is just in my imagination, I don't see us letting the Soviets outdo us. I feel like we would have built one if just... If out of anything, just posturing, I feel like we would have done that. And you know, they say I we don't didn't. Know. We, we had our shot with them. Yeah, they had it all set up, and uh, Kennedy pulled the air support uh, on, uh, put a lot of guys in prison for thirty years. But mm-hmm. uh, I saw a show one time. That I don't know how they smuggled it out of Cuba. About this family, and they had to walk ten miles to get to a medical like a hospital and you had to wait and the buses weren't running the utilities run I think in their house would run one hour a week like on a Friday from noon to one to for the electric to run and uh, and they interviewed the, the old the father who was and his daughter and grandkids lived with him and he t- said we backed Fidel and the buddy threw us, threw us into the ground because he confiscated all their land. Do you ever hear a kid gambling to be a prize fighter? He was a prize fighter back in the late 40s and 50s and never ran around women, never went out and all that stuff. He saved his money from Cuba, and he went back to Cuba and bought all these sugar plantations and put people to work. Then when Castro came in in 58, they confiscated them and put him out in the field with the rest of them. Jesus. That's so. That's what communism does. Yeah, they shoot you over a loaf of bread. Yeah, yeah. And I tell people that here when they get get grumpy, I said, "Go live somewhere else." You know? Yeah, there people want people want to live here. Yeah, so we must be pretty good. Yeah, they give you that racist shit. Hey, racist, go to the Marines. You're not racist. If a if a black guy pulls you out of foxhole and saves your life, you say, "Now you go back and get." Yeah, bullshit. Yeah, I think. You don't care who they are. Yeah, and you know yeah. why? I met a guy this morning. Bob Evans went down on Evans. And he was from NAM. He was a Marine. And we were talking. I was telling him about what we did. And we simplified. And uh, he he was at Lejeune. He drank that tainted water they had. And uh, he, he was all screwed up with that. And uh, I tell him he got toenail poisoning. So he was drinking that water. And uh, he said, yeah, and the government denied it for years. I said, yeah, they denied us too mm-hmm. for 45 or 47 years. Yeah. Well, they don't want a lawsuit. 
What what kind of things do you think, and this would all be wild speculation, what kind of things do you think there are like right now that there are guys like you back in 52 and that they can't talk about it till the year 2070? Like what kind of wild things do you think are going on right now? Like tests? Well, I think they're selling us out. You think because we don't, we don't. We're, they say we're the strongest nation in the world. I don't think we are. They like to tell the people that, but but everybody, I more or less feel the same way I do. And uh, my grandkids know they, they don't have to worry about this. I, I tell them too. So we don't know what's going on. They don't like it, but they they go to college and these left wing professors blow smoke up their ass, and if they don't go along with that, they fail the course. Yeah. And that. Yeah, they go along with the, uh, and it's mostly uh, socialistic. Oh yeah, no, I had professors in college. Oh yeah, no, you could definitely tell if you wrote an essay with a conservative leaning, you'd get a, a worse grade. Well, you want that grade, you you've got to go along with the professor or the teacher tells you. And uh, I wouldn't last in there because I would not jump right up and wouldn't agree with them right out of the box. Well, I, that's fine with me. Well, I did do that, and I actually did get a failing grade in the class <laughs> in college because I was like, I was like, fuck this. I was like, no, this isn't no. Like, this is not. We're not doing this. I'm not complying with this. And uh, it they is. Don't yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I remember that. It was summer 2013. It was a class I took, and uh, I ended up having to drop it because I had a failing grade because I wouldn't. Everyone else was like, just go along with it. And I was like, screw this. No. I was like, America's awesome. And I was like, so I was just writing about that. I got an F, and I was like, whatever. I don't care. You had an F in it? Oh, yeah, no. That was the only class I got an F in. I had to withdraw from well, the class. I'll tell you what, I was pretty good at math in my day, and I aced everything. I learned all the rules. Formula for the cone, how you how the bottom to the top of the formula for that. I had all that, and I aced everything. Got them all right. Went to the, uh, the midterm exam, aced that, and he gave me a ninety nine. I said, I thought you said you whatever grade you got, that's what you got. He said, Well, you're not perfect. I said, Well, who says a hundred's perfect? I said, Did I get them all right? He said, Yeah. But I'm not giving you a hundred. I'm giving you a ninety-nine. And I thought, well, hell with it then. So I just jacked ass around, yeah, and uh, chased girls and all that shit. Yeah, didn't study. And he come in and said, you need an eighty on your final to pass. So I got an eighty-five and passed. So there. Yeah. So that. here I got a my my granddaughter married a Navajo Indian. His uh, grandfather was a coke talker. Boy, that. Oh, really? Open, open the door for me because I welcomed him right in. Yeah. And uh, he's, a, he's a good artist. Boy, he is. And he went to art school. And they went, they had him drawn, so he didn't want to do that. And they said, well, you're doing that or you're failing. He's like, just quit. And he walked out. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a full-blooded novel. Yeah. You got to hear some of his stories. But he's ain't like gun. I said, I can't believe it. I said, you ever hear bury my heart at wounded knees? He said, No. I said, Read that. You ever read that? No. Bury my heart at wounded knee? It's uh, the army, uh, our government said, Give us your rifles and we'll protect you. They, they, had, they went in and the cavalry went in and saw the village, killed over 200 men, women, and children, and passed out battles of honor with the government to re- rescinded all that shit. But so loud, they, they took their guns and then killed them. 
Read, read that. I will. Yeah, I don't think it's bury my heart that wounded knee. That just that's just what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I told my one granddaughter, I said, Well, if if, if you come over and get my gun or twelve year old kid, I said I'll shoot him in the head. Yeah. So if you want to get killed, come over after my gun, I'll shoot you. Yeah. Well, because you you have to because it's President dance with Bubba in the shower on Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> Well, because if they want, if someone wants to come take your guns, it's because they're getting ready to do something to you that would make you use a gun. Well, I'll use it. I'm 87. Well, who, who cares? Yeah. You're better than dying of cancer. Yeah. Of course, I haven't got better, better knock on that. I'm, I, 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 uh, I haven't got it yet. I go, in fact, I go to the uh, 8th of December or 12th, the 15th of December and get checked again. I do that. They're good to me. People yeah. rip, rip They're good people. They got about forty thousand people taking care of fifty million veterans. Yeah, they're swamped, and you and you don't drop an appointment. I go. Yeah. So, well, I, I give my book to my daughter. But I'll send you that. Please, please email me your address. I will. You got to send me a copy so we could do another podcast and talk about it. About what I'm telling you, how I got mixed up in it, and how my mom used to tie me to the clothesline when I was a kid, and all that shit. <laughs> I, I always get loose. I put my knives out in the yard, and I, I was known as Ronnie Dog. And you know what? A dog gets loose, he, he's gone. I take off for the day, and I run up there. There's an old guy, Candy Grimes. He'd always be sitting up at the First National Bank up there on the steps. This is Somerville, Ohio, a little town about 300. And uh, he'd cut that, cut that rope off my leg where, where I'd take two rocks and pound them together and work them back and forth. I'd get, I'd get loose every day. Take off. So I guess that's why I'm nuts. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if she tied you up like a dog, I guess it's only a matter of time before you end up in the middle of the street licking your balls. <laughs> I wonder why you don't want to go see them when you're old, huh? <laughs> that's the way that works, too. Yeah, that's. I guess that is true. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, my wife thinks I'm That's all I care about. That's fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's. Please, please do send me that book and. Okay. Send me your address over the email, and I'll, I'll mail it to you. I will. <laughs> When did you guys have it put together? Pardon? When did when did you put it together? When did you write it? Maybe five or six years, maybe longer. She said, you ought to write a book. I said, who the hell wants to read that shit? She said, you'd be surprised. Well, they put it in, uh, it's about eight pages. I wish it was more, but because uh, after we got finished, I remembered more stuff. And uh, she, she just sat down and kind of interviewed me about going through the, the ghost ship. It's called the ghost ship, the name of it. Okay. And uh, let me go get it. I, could you see it if I held it up? The- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll monologue. Um, yeah, he's going to get his book, The Ghost Ship. For, uh, for everybody listening who didn't listen to our last episode, Mr. Halderman was, uh, was a Marine and did security. at. Oh, he's already back at the Castle Bravo test in 1952. Oh, he's already back. Well, here it is. Uh, you see that? Aboard the ghost ship surviving the H bomb. Yeah. Yeah. That's me when I was 18 years old. Wait, lift it up. Lift it up more. Shoes, baby. Lift it up more. Lift it higher up. Oh, there you are. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, handsome guy. Yeah, well, I, that, that's what got me my woman. Yeah. <laughs> and that's us playing cards aboard the back of the hole. Jeez. That guy there on the right with his big mouth shoving out there, that red dog. With his, but it's only eight. You can probably read it before you fall asleep. I'll mail that to you. Please do. No, I would love it. I'd love it. It tells you what an asshole I was. The guy got the stolen car in there and played grab ass with that my niece. I was in there. I went. To, I grew up with a kid. Well, we were all poor, and uh, and Vet Moniz, I used to play ball with him, and we went buddies out. We sleep on the rug and bum sugar. Say, put water on bread and sugar on. Have sugar sandwiches and take pop bottles back. Two cents a pop bottle. Five of them's a dime. Get you a box of Walnettos, caramels, and Pepsi. For a dime up at eight bed. That's what you live. That's how you live. And I'm out in San Diego and book homesick puppy. I've been in about a week. And I come out of chow hall. Somebody yelled, Hey, Ronald. And I looked around and there's Vet Moniz, my one buddy. And uh, God, we hugged and jumped around and hugged each other. The DI come up and one of we was playing grab ass. Well, grab goofing off. Yeah. He said, what are you playing? Grab ass? No, say what I'm playing. I said, yeah, you are. So he said, grab his ass. I grabbed his ass. He grabbed my ass. He said, what are you doing? I said, we're playing grab ass, sir. <laughs> but you don't dare laugh. You laugh. They come out and get you. Make yeah. you play. That's the way it works. Jeez. I told that story, and uh, I was out at uh, Potter's Park Golf Course one day, and I saw this name, uh, Kevin Moniz. <laughs> And uh, I said, is he out here? And they said, yeah, he's down on the tee. And I went down there, and there's four black guys down there. And I said, any one of you guys, Kevin? Well, they all locked eyes on me. And he said, Kevin said, I am. And I told him that story. He, here, Kevin had been in the Air Force 25 years, and and, uh, and we bonded right there, too. Played golf with him. I told him that about his dad. I said, he's still Because the last thing I said, See you in Korea. Well, I never. That was in 1952, September. Never saw him since. See, I said, is, is he still living? He said, No, he passed away. I said, Well, I'm glad he had a life. He said, Yeah. So anyway, that's a story. Playing grab ass. So if they want to play, that's what it is. <laughs> well, just, just like you see Full Metal Jacket. I love that movie. Well, everything's true, and it's the girl stuff. Yeah. Out for every round, and you don't take a full clip off a rifle range to go blow some drill instructor out. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's Hollywood stuff. Yeah. You better have a, if you don't have that, you better have the empty casing. Or you stay at find it. Yeah. Jeez. It's on account of stuff like that. I, I don't remember ever that happened to anybody in all the times I've been in. But I, maybe it did. But I'll mail that to you. Please do. And uh, I'm gonna autograph it. I was about to say. I was gonna say that before we go. You got to autograph it for me. It's hard for me to write anymore. I'll, I'll put seven X's on there instead of one. You better. I would love for you to autograph it. I'll email you my. You better. You better. I want it. Um, okay, I'll do that. No, please do. And um, your address, and I'll do it. I will, and like like I told you, we have to cut this one short because I have another podcast. But I will email you, and let's also set up a 
I'm going to okay. read it, and I'd love to do a third podcast with you, Mr. Halderman. And I'll, I'll, I'll delete that address. I'll, no, you don't want anybody else getting it. Yeah, no, don't give it anyone else. You don't need you don't it. You want the CIA coming. Uh, trust me, they've already, they're already coming. It's fine. They're coming, and there's nothing that's going to stop it, so might as well go yeah. out having a good time. Well, it's worse as being friends with Clinton. That's when you commit suicide. Well, that's when you become very <laughs> suicidal is when you're friends with them. I've, I have had on several members on i have had on several people in this podcast who are in the cia and uh so i can only imagine they've got tabs on me well we think george kelly the guy that formed us uh because he went him and more joe went back in the military and uh they they were pfcs and corporals when i made sergeant and uh kelly's the guy that went with me to to Philadelphia, and we, we're the, he, we walked down to Shine Park to see Willie Mays play. I tell you that story. Mm-hmm. Willie yes. Mays, the kids asked me who Willie Mays was. I said, "You got to be kidding! You could have knocked me out." <laughs> I told Kelly about. It. I said, "I said, you remember when we did that?" And he said, "Yeah." And he died the next day down to he was down to Fisher House in Cincinnati. Jeez, been a lot of funerals. You did a what, lot of what? I said, "I've been to a lot of funerals and." Uh, I cry over him and pray for him. Yeah. Still, well, it's it's good. You don't you don't want to forget it. I told that Lisa Barney that wanted me to come up there and speak um, this last November the tenth, and I said, "Well, I, I said you don't mind if I break down and cry, do you?" She said, "No." And she walked up and handed me a box of box of puff tissues. I said, "I'll probably need them. I needed them." Yeah, I get to talk. It just gets me. Well, died death, died of cancer. Yeah. Well, I I think it's good though. I think I think if you ever, yeah. if you stop crying and stop mourning them, then then they're really disappeared. But if they're gone yeah. and you still remember them, I mean that's you know my older brother died seven years ago, and you know I still think about him and I still cry about him. But I'm happy sure. I, I'm happy I do because if I didn't, uh, then I feel like yeah. they'd truly be gone. Well, that stuff never leaves you. Yeah. That guy today, I was talking to him. He from he come back from Nam. I always welcome those. I see a guy who's been over to Nam because they, the our, our country gives those guys a raw deal. Yeah, I always welcome him home, and he's a hell of a nice guy. And you just you, you're a marine. In fact, my last line in this book, I'm going to read it to you. You can go anywhere in the world and meet the man or the woman who are marines and have a sister and brother. It yep. never leaves, never dies. Once a marine, always a marine. Simplify. Hell yeah. That's my closing. That's but a- when I speak, when I speak, I talk about all the whiskey and stuff I used to bring to my room, the uh, Glen Levitt single malt scotch and a bottle of Seagram's VO. And they come to my room and we sit there and drink and talk. And, and uh, now when I travel, I'll. <laughs> hey man, I'm not too far. I'm 31, and and, and after a weekend, uh, I'm taking stool softener and fiber. I'm 31. I think it did. It's great. Better, better than shit in a rock, man. Amen. It absolutely is. I don't care. Yeah. I know when I had kidney stones, I never got kidney stones. I never got. But I got three little sand kidney stones. I was up at Gettysburg. And I, God, I thought I was dying. Went to the hospital, they x-rayed. Oh, you got three kidney stones. And I was in a lot of pain. They gave me morphine. Well, I never knew what the hell I, I never took that. 
You talk about plugging up, man. I, I had to get a sewer over to clean out. It was terrible. That happened to me in 2014 when I got my tonsils out and I was on Vicodin for a month. I don't think I shit for a month. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. It's, it's solid concrete, baby. It's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's, yeah. I cut that because I used to drink I'm 87. I gotta know something. Yeah, I know. No, the list is a wise old man in the family. That's me. Well, hey, that's why I'm having you on. Is I'm getting your life secrets, right? This isn't charity. I'm getting something out of this too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, I think of more when we leave because whenever I speak, I always want my wife or daughter to go because they jog my memory. They, they remind. Well, tell them about this one, Dan. And, but I went to that one up there at the retirement center. I didn't want to talk more than 15, 20 minutes because we were having dinner. And I said, I don't want to hear you guys snore. And I had this American flag shirt with the the, the, the Constitution or whatever on the back of it, was all red, white, and blue. And I'm looking over there, and there's some priest that already got the same damn shirt. I said, you went in my closet and stole my shirt. I said, no, I never. He was about, they're all, they were all mostly 80, 90 years old because they fought and fought in World War II. Yeah. So I was just a punk kid up there. Yeah. <laughs> well. With all my teeth. <laughs> I thought you still have them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you're saying still a punk kid. Oh. I go to the dentist. Twice a year, VA twice a year, and the medical doctor twice a year. Just do it. To go to a proctologist once a year. He says, "See you next year." So I love you. You're going to be doing my podcast for the next twenty years. I go there. He said, "You don't need to wave." I said, "Fine with me." I said, "Yeah, at least you're using both hands." (laughs) That's terrible. Now you want to. Old man stuff, and you're getting it. Hey, man, I love it. That's why I have you on. I wouldn't have you on if I didn't enjoy talking to you, Mr. Holderman. Um, like I told, I got. It. We have to wrap this one up, but I will. I will. Okay. Uh, I will text Bill. I'll send you my address to get that book. Please do autograph it, and um, I would love to set up another podcast with you. Okay, Mr. Holderman, I'll, I'll mail it to you. Please do. Thank I you. got a picture of my wife, and don't come over here and bother. I'll blow your brains out. <laughs> She's a good-looking chick. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Tommy? Uh, John Halderman shot him dead. Wow. Huh. Well, I guess that was a fitting end. God bless you. Nice, <laughs> see you. nice talking to you. You too, Mr. Halderman. Merry Christmas and uh, yeah. ha- happy belated anniversary to you and your wife. And um, I never dies. And I'm still the same guy I always was, just a little older and maybe smarter. I don't know. <laughs> I try to think I am. I think you are. I think you're hilarious. I'm to tell him like it is. If you don't like our nation, get out. Hell, we're not racist. We're a good country. And that's, why I, that's why I keep this behind me every episode. Mr. Halderman, thank you, yep. sir. Merry hey, thank Christ- you. God bless you. You as well. Merry Christmas. Thank I you get so out much. Here. Hit that up there. <laughs> I, I'll get it. All right.
I, I see it where it says leave. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Haldeman. Recording stopped. Take care.